Let's start out very, very basic. Will a six pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important. If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't. You know, some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is, you have to get stronger. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience Podcast. It's me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Still still battling sleep, man. I'm still... It's, it's, really? I'm, I'm, man, it's, it's, it's a process, man. I, I, can't, I can't seem to sleep well. I'm sleeping pretty good these days, honestly. Yeah. I feel great. Rub it in, man. Rub it in. <laughs> my beef. Rub beef. it in. Today, today is not about us, right? We have a very special guest with us, a friend of the show, yes. Dr. Nicole Sertico. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, everyone, and thanks for having me on, Andy and Berg. So I'm a physical therapist and strength and conditioning coach and soccer coach in Los Angeles. I run my own private practice, concierge style, so I meet up with clients in their homes, their gyms, a soccer field a lot of the time, and I run that with my husband, who's also a physical therapist, Mark, and I teach a continuing education course, aside from also a podcast and writing blogs and things like that. That's nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I think the, the nicest part about that, Berg was talking about rubbing it in. You're chilling out in L.A. I'm out here with snow on the ground. Berg's it's in Boston. Funny. It's even worse. It's even worse. Yeah, it's worse out here. No, I'm it's having... cold here today. It's like 50 and it's going to rain. Listen, yo. <laughs> Nicole, like 50 degrees, like we, got, we have guys out here playing soccer without shirts. <laughs> like 50 degrees, you can't even go on a soccer field because there's just so many people. Like it's yeah. ridiculous the how just the perspective in, in, in weather is just completely different from coast to coast. Yeah, 50 mm. degrees here. I'm wearing a beanie and a heavy coat. Wow. <laughs> well, today, Nicole is a soccer injury expert. Today, we're really going to talk about just hamstring injuries, right? And um, what, what do you think in your perspective? What causes all these hamstring injuries? What's it about them? So the true answer is that we don't fully know yet because we can't predict who's going to have a hamstring injury. So okay. the biggest risk factors of a hamstring injury seem to be age and previous history of a hamstring injury. So the, there is a high rate of recurrence. So if you do have a hamstring strain injury, then you are likely to have another one when you return to sport. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, things that increase the rate of recurrence are things like the number of your previous hamstring injuries um, and then things like if you have tenderness at your hamstrings or at the area that was injured when you go back to playing, um, if you have an active knee extension deficit. So if you are unable to actively fully straighten your knee, that's a risk factor for recurrence. And also if your knee flexion strength at about 15 degrees of knee flexion, so if you bend your knee to about 15 degrees, 
and then do a maximal contraction there. If that's weaker, then that can lead to increased recurrence. So the short answer is we don't fully know because we are really bad at predicting who's going to have a hamstring injury. We think maybe having long and strong hamstrings can help reduce the risk of hamstring strain injuries, okay. but we haven't really found anything that full-on predicts who's going to strain their hamstring. Okay. You, you said something about age. What, what's the age group? So the, the general idea is that the older you get, the more increased risk you have of a hamstring hey. strain injury. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good news for me. I'm 31. <laughs> So they look at, at footballers and in academies and as they get older to the, you know, from U15 to U19 to U23 and then up um, into the upper 20s and low 30s, the higher age is associated with higher rate of hamstring injuries. Now that might just be a proxy for um, increased exposures and they've had longer time to have previous hamstring strain injuries. So maybe oh, the yeah, older players have also had more hamstring strain injuries, which is also a known risk factor. Um, so it could just be that age is the risk factor. It could be previous injury. Um, they could be a proxy for one another. So how much, how much of that do you think is, um, you know, as you get older and you go into more competition, you, you get to play more games. How much is that is a result of, I guess, um, too many games being played throughout, you know, the season, the year, and, you know, like a reduction of your, your not a reduction, but a limited, limited capacity, you know, almost. So if you're training, if you're playing too much and, you know, your, your body is not able to sustain that, that kind of load, will that contribute to a hamstring injury as well? Yeah. So anytime that there is like a spike in your workload, then you're at increased risk of injury and illness, not just hamstring strain injuries. So in times of the year when there's higher match congestion, like usually around the Christmas fixtures for the English Premier League, for example, um, or college soccer players going and high school soccer players going into preseason, things like that, whenever you have a, or if, you know, all of a sudden you have a soccer tournament and you're playing five games in one weekend, as opposed to just one a weekend, Anytime there's a, an acute jump in your workload or in the amount that you're asking your body to do, then there is an increased risk of injury as well. Okay. So that's definitely a factor. All right. So, so, okay. So let's say I have no, you know, I'm, I'm a college soccer player or I'm a semi-pro. I have no control over the schedule, right? You know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be able to say, all right, I'm sitting down this game because I've been playing too many games this year. <laughs> um, what can you do? I mean, how can you go around that? I mean, it seems like, I um, mean, the beginning you said having a stronger hamstring is the result. So I guess we're going straight into strength training now. So, yes. So the thing that you can do is prepare your tissues for the demands you're going to ask of them. So you need to, for avoiding acute spikes that you, like you said, you have no control over your schedule and you're not going to be like, oh, coach, I'm not playing in this game. Yeah. Uh, so what you can do is make sure your body's ready for that. So do the work in the off season, do the work in the preseason. And then specifically for hamstring strain injuries, there, there is an exercise that has been shown to help reduce the risk of hamstring strain injuries. And that's the Nordic hamstring exercise. Okay. So that exercise is an eccentric hamstring strengthening exercise. And what that means is your muscle is contracting as it's lengthening. So going back a little bit before we're ever able to prescribe a 
injury risk reduction program or an injury risk reduction exercise, we need to know mechanism of injury, risk factors, things like that. So when we're talking about a hamstring strain injury, usually it's in soccer players during high-speed running okay. or mm -hmm. in Sprinting. kicking. So yeah. we're asking for a high contraction of the hamstrings as the hamstrings are elongating. Mm -hmm. we, what we also know is with this high rate of recurrence of hamstring strain injuries, that after an initial hamstring strain injury, soccer players go back to playing soccer with decreased knee flexion, eccentric knee flexion strength. So that means decreased eccentric hamstring strength, which means that at, eccentric, again, is just the muscle is lengthening while contracting. Okay. So a good example of this is if you're doing a bicep curl, as you're curling your arm up, that's concentric, so the muscle is shortening. On your way down, the muscle is lengthening, but you're still contracting the muscle to control the way down. So that's an eccentric contraction. Mm. So as your hamstrings are lengthening, so if you think about a soccer kick, as your hip comes forward into hip flexion, your hamstring is being lengthened from the hip side. And then as your knee extends, as you kick and follow through, the hamstring is being lengthened from the knee side, the distal part. So we're getting lengthening on both ends of the hamstring. And that can and same thing with high speed running as we're asking for a fast contraction as it's lengthening. So, so with that in mind, oh sorry, go ahead, Andy. Oh no, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. So with that in mind, we can say, okay, we need to strengthen hamstrings at a lengthened position. So any exercise that's gonna do that, and the Nordic hamstring exercise is an example of that, where we're going into a lengthened position as the body is lowering towards the floor. Okay. And we're asking it to perform a pretty strong contraction at that lengthened position. So that exercise in particular has been shown to reduce the risk of primary hamstring injury or your first hamstring strain injury. A 57%, I think the number is. That's high. And then a secondary one by over 80%. I think the number is actually 86%, but I could be wrong. So if we can reduce a, a recurrence or a secondary hamstring injury by over 80% with just one exercise, um, to me, that's a no-brainer. You know, I'm, I'm doing that exercise all the time. All the time. Now, yeah. they, they recommend doing a 10-week buildup and starting weeks. that exercise during preseason, starting with it two, two times a week first and then going to three times a week and then maintaining during the season and continue to do that exercise one time a week. Okay. So let me, let me, let me just um, recap for, for the thing that you said. Um, so it seems like Nordic hamstring exercise is one of the best way you can, well, that's been um, clinically proven to reduce hamstring injury. Guys, if you don't know what Nordic hamstring, I highly encourage you to look it up. It's not, it's not very pleasant. I've tried this myself. <laughs> like it, it, it hurts. It hurts really bad. And um, yeah, I mean, you said, um, you recommend to do it. How many times a week should you do that during preseason and then doing in season? Let me, you probably mentioned that. I, I kind of forgot. Can you? Yeah. Say? So they start, it's a 10 week program that they start with um, starting before the season even, even begins. So start in the preseason and do it three times a week. 
Then once you get to in-season, then maintain it with once a week. And the reason that that's important is because it's been shown in studies that when we do an eccentric hamstring strengthening program, like this Nordic hamstring mm-hmm. exercise, it is effective in helping us lengthen the fascicles, which is another way of saying we're making longer muscle. Yeah. So we're helping the muscle get longer and stronger in those lengthened positions. So after six weeks of doing a Nordic hamstring exercise program, we are causing positive adaptation. We are causing the muscle to actually lengthen. Now, the problem is that once we stop and we don't continue that exercise for at least once a week, which is just the general recommendation, you can do it you know, twice a week if you want, but once a week is what they recommend. So if you don't maintain that, then your muscle length will go back to its original length within the next two to four weeks. So everything that you've worked for goes away pretty quickly if you don't maintain it. Um, Is that, is that the reason for that? Is it because players don't have time to go to gym and and train um, doing the in-season or is just, if you don't do the exercise, if you don't do the Nordic hamstring, then it goes back. It's if you don't do, if you don't continue, because muscle needs any, any tissue really needs adaptation, needs a stimulus to create adaptation. Okay. And if you don't keep giving the muscle that stimulus, your body will always try to conserve energy. So it'll say, okay, you're not using the length of this muscle. We don't need the length of this muscle, so we're going to take it away. Yeah, take it away, save energy. Exactly. Okay. So if you don't maintain that training stimulus, then your body sees no reason to maintain the adaptation. Okay. Um, what about um, one other thing that you know I, I started learning um, is um, this thing of um, like specificity, mm-hmm. I would say. So Nordic hamstring, yes, you, you're doing eccentric you know, you're lengthening and you're contracting at the same time. Um, but in soccer, you're not really doing that movement, right? So, and then I've seen, I read some 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 blogs where, where the guy was mentioning something about, it's very controversial, but, you know, it, 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 it sort of makes sense. Aside from Nordic hamstring, would you, would you encourage, would you suggest people do, you know, moderate sprinting as well? Because if you're getting your injury, by sprinting a lot, wouldn't, wouldn't it be ideal also to do some sprinting, recommend some sprinting doing in-season, like once a week, you do a sprinting workout so that your muscle can, you know, adapt to sprinting? Yes, always. So okay. as part of a holistic hamstring health program, I would do all different types of hamstring exercises, doing hip-dominant exercises, okay. knee-dominant exercises, eccentric uh, compound movements like squats and deadlifts, um, sprint training, you know, which soccer players are going to do anyway, just the nature of the sport. Okay. But I will say kind of that argument of uh, against the Nordic hamstring exercise, which I've seen a lot of is, oh, well, if we're saying that a hamstring strain injury occurs with lengthening and, and rapidly with a rapid contraction, you know, the hamstring, the Nordic hamstring exercise is a slow exercise. Yeah. So it's not, and it's a knee dominant movement, whereas like 
high speed running, it's coming from a hip dominant movement. So I've seen that argument a lot. And my favorite response to that argument is from uh, Rod Whiteley, who says, he's a, he's a researcher, and he says, um, don't bring your theories to a data fight. And essentially okay. what that means is that the data <laughs> right. shows us that it reduces primary hamstring strain injury by over 50% and reduces a recurrence by over 80%. So I get the theory, right? But um, the numbers prove that wrong. Okay. <laughs> the numbers prove that it's effective. Furthermore, not only is the Nordic hamstring exercise good for helping to reduce the risk of hamstring strain injury, it also makes you faster. So it helps mm. with performance. So okay. what they found in Christian Thorborg and his research group, what they found is that when you apply the Nordic hamstring exercise strengthening program, you increase your speed by 40% over 10 meters. So, so what that means is that in a 10-meter sprint, or in the same amount of time now, you can go four centimeters more yeah. distance. Yeah, you can cover more distance. And exactly. Time. So huh. four centimeters might not sound like a lot, but if you think about in soccer, getting on the end of a cross, if you yeah. can get there, if you can get four centimeters faster or get there 40% faster – in that last little 10 meter sprint, that's the difference between getting on the end of a cross and not. Or on the flip side, it's getting back and blocking a shot or making a tackle or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that definitely give me um, some perspective there. I'm going to incorporate some Nordic into my hamstring, even though I don't really like him. I saw a dude one time, he was doing Nordic hamstring with just one leg. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes. And they, they do have, they have a, it's called the Nord board or the Nordic board. And basically it's a way to like do the Nordic hamstring exercise without a person holding your feet down, but also it measures the amount of force you're putting out into the machine while you're doing it. So how much, essentially how much force in Newton's you're able to take eccentrically from the hamstrings. And, um, so that's like a good assessment tool to see a, um, how strong someone's eccentric hamstring strength is. And then also in returning to sport after hamstring strain injury, if it's back to what it was before the injury um, or if there's still a weakness there, then maybe they're not ready to return. So um, I haven't personally used the Nord board yet, but um, That's there's really equipment. good things in the literature it's about it. Okay. What if you don't? What if you don't have access to this equipment? Like, that? Oh, then that's okay. I, I like I don't. So I use either a partner holding my feet down to do it, or um, I've put like sandbags on my ankles. Or okay. there's other ways to go about it, and there's other ways to do eccentric hamstring strengthening other than just the Nordic hamstring exercise. Um, you know, you can have an eccentric focus on just a prone hamstring curl. Um, you know, go with two legs up, get one leg out of the way and go slowly with one leg back down eccentrically, um, and make sure it's a heavy enough weight that you can, you know, you can lift it with both, but that you wouldn't be able to lift it with just one leg. Okay. Mm, good tips here. Good tips. So, I mean, we talked about Nordics, right? We talked about sprinting. We talked about these one leg, um, hamstring eccentrics what are some of your other favorite hamstring exercises and how do they help the game of a soccer player 
So the other hamstring exercises I like, again, like I said, I always try to include hip dominant and knee dominant hamstring exercises because the hamstrings cross both your hip joint and your knee joint. So you need to be able to, to strengthen from both ends of the muscle. So things like a, an RDL or a Romanian deadlift, that's a great hamstring exercise. Um, there's also a, a group of exercises um, by Carl Askling, or called I think they're just called the Askling exercises. Yeah, the Askling protocol. I've, I've yeah, posted so about that a couple the, of days ago. The glider, the extender, and the diver. The diver essentially looks like a single leg RDL. Yeah. Um, and then the the extender is a really kind of low load way, and this is kind of one of the first exercises I'll implement in someone after they've had a hamstring strain injury. Is laying on your back holding your leg up towards your chest. So holding like on the underside of your thigh or underneath your knee and then actively extending your knee up as high as you can. So actively straightening your knee as much as you can, squeezing at the top and then lowering back down. So that's the Askling extender exercise. And then the glider is another eccentric um, hamstring exercise. It's more hip dominant, um, but basically you're letting one leg slide behind you. And because of that, you're lengthening the front leg or the, you're lengthening the hamstring of the front leg and then pulling yourself back to upright using the hamstring of the front leg. So that's getting more of the hip extender role of the hamstrings in that exercise. Okay. Guys, if it gets too confusing, we'll put the link of all these, these exercises on the description so that you guys can go ahead and click and, and, and follow up as you know, you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. And a great resource for that is actually a, a free resource, which is always nice is on YouTube. Aspitar has their whole hamstring protocol. Um, the way they assess them, the way that they treat them and manage them. They have all of that in really nice, clean videos really easy to follow on Wait, youtube what's it called i'm about i'm gonna aspitar go it's it's um a sports medicine facility in qatar and they do a lot of research out of there they see high level professional athletes there clinically so it's clinicians and researchers um and nicole van dyke is one of the clinicians and researchers there who has helped to put together this this uh, aspitar hamstring protocol and again it's really great videos online that shows their progressions. And then like you said, we also want to work on things like sprinting um, because that's generally one of the mechanisms of injury. So things like marching, skipping, um, you know, the, the B skips and making sure you're getting triple extension thing, high knee running, um, something like a T drill where we're now incorporating change of direction. Uh -huh. Those things are also included in the protocol. So once strength is building up, then we can start sprint training, working first on sprint mechanics in a regressed way, like a march or a skip, and then mm -hmm. building up to sprinting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds very comprehensive. I might have to listen to that podcast again and, and absorb, <laughs> absorb everything. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we... As soccer players and clinicians in the era, it's always tough to control when a player decides to formally go back to the game, right? And there are going to be times when a player decides to either um, knowingly play injured or think that they are ready when they're not. That's what are, me. 
That's yeah, that's also me too. And probably sometimes you, Nicole. But mm-hmm. what are what are some of these risks of playing with um, a hamstring that isn't completely healed yet? Yes. Yeah, so we already know there's a high rate of recurrence. So it's one of those: Would you rather go back now and have to go through this all again, or wait a little bit longer, fully allow it to rehab, and then go back? And one thing that I so I think that sometimes trying to sell injury risk reduction isn't that effective and people don't care about an injury until they get it. Yep. So I think a good way to sell this is with performance metrics. So there was a study, I forget, I forget who did this now, but they showed that when, uh, when athletes, we can say soccer players here, go back to their sport without fully rehabilitating so without so when they have like decreased eccentric knee flexion strength or that eccentric hamstring strength is still um, decreased after their injury they're slower on the field for up to two months afterwards so do you want to go back slower for two full months or do you want to wait another four to six weeks and go back faster than before? Because like we said, that Nordic hamstring exercise helps to make you faster as well. So that's how I'll try to sell it to athletes that I see soccer players that I see is, you know, why would you go back right now when you're not playing your best? You're not performing at your best. You're slower. Is that how you want to be seen on the field as a slow player? It destroys your confidence as well. So exactly, exactly. That's true, true. Does it does a hamstring injury that's not completely healed also lead to like more other knee injuries that might occur or what's going on there? It can. I haven't seen exact numbers on this of although this has been shown with groin injuries. Um but I haven't seen this with hamstring injuries and it's been shown with concussions as well. I haven't seen this specifically for hamstring injuries and risk of other injuries. But what we do know is, you know, we can apply principles here. And if you go back and you have decreased hamstring eccentric strength, are you going to be moving differently now than what you were before? Are yeah. you now moving in suboptimal ways for your yeah. sport and Probably for performance, compensating, compensating somewhere else um, that can potentially increase risk of injury? I haven't seen any specific numbers on this, but applying um, principles and data from other studies of other body parts, I would assume and I would hypothesize that it probably would increase risk of other injuries. Hmm. Yeah, guys, don't go back. Even if it kills you, you know, don't go back and start playing. Go play. Don't go play any pickup if you, if you haven't recovered from your hamstring injury. And that's why I tell players, like, don't, don't even go on the field. Like, turn up, like, group chat, the pickup group chat, turn that off. Yep. Like, if, you, if you're craving to play, just... Just get the ball and just juggle inside a house. Don't exactly. even go in your field because you're going to be tempted. Yeah, yeah the temptation is going to win. Exactly. And it's not worth the risk. I mean, you're going to – and, okay, so in some cases, if you're a professional athlete and your contract is coming up and you need to get back on the field to potentially make a multimillion-dollar contract possible – Sure, <laughs> you know, go back before you're ready. But for most of us, you know, me, I'm about to go play in a a street soccer league here in in Venice, California. And is it worth it for me after a hamstring injury to go play pickup street soccer 
Probably it, not. You know, it just depends. wait no, until it it's fully prepared um, until your body's fully prepared and then go back. Mm. So I would say always wait because you're just increasing your risk of recurrence of that hamstring strain injury. So, and again, you're going to be playing at decreased performance levels. So wait until your performance is back where you want it to be and your injury risk is decreased. Okay. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds very logical. <laughs> it does. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, but as a soccer player, maybe who isn't, who doesn't have a hamstring injury, right? What would you say are some of the other benefits besides speed um, to having a stronger hamstring? So speed is probably the top one. Um, and then I would, oh, I just got a notification there. I, oh. I would also argue that, um, just having a having a more robust and resilient system so being stronger having more power production availability having better mobility things like that the more availability that you give your body to perform is going to improve um, other performance metri metrics as well so maybe you would be able to jump higher we know that you know, for jumping and power production, hip extension is a big part of that. And the hamstrings, part of their role is hip extension. They aid in that. So um, maybe it can help with that. Maybe I haven't seen this at all, but I'm theorizing maybe it could help with kicking, um, you know, strength of kicks. That's gonna, probably going to be more quad um, strength is going to help with that. But certainly we need some hamstring eccentric yeah, for, strength as yeah, for, well for stabilization especially when you kick and Stabil when you yes on the plant leg for sure um but the main one is speed that's that's predominantly what it's going to help out with that's what everyone cares about too especially in this day of age oh definitely definitely so as we're kind of wrapping up here if you had 30 seconds to tell a soccer player something about their hamstrings what would it be that we need them to be long and strong. You need to strengthen them doing eccentric hamstring exercises. So it's not enough to just do hamstring curls. You have to do ones where you're lengthening and strengthening. Strengthen at lengthened ranges. So get your knee a little bit straighter and strengthen your hamstrings there because you don't want a hamstring strain injury. They're painful. And once yeah. you have one, you're at a higher risk of doing it again. So don't be the person who always has a nagging hamstring injury. Be strong, be fast, and you don't need to worry about it. And well said. one more question as I kind of just thought of this. What would you tell someone who is interested in learning more about stretching their hamstrings? So the jury is kind of still out on that. There, there's been studies that show that fascicle length um, of the hamstring or length of the hamstrings is important. Some have shown that it's not quite as important. Um, I would say that more so than just, than, than just stretching, what you need to be doing is making sure your hamstrings can handle load at those increased lengths. So you can stretch them for sure. That's fine to do. But the bigger priority is applying load there. So doing these eccentric hamstring exercises, which we know helps lengthen the fascicles anyway. So it, it helps give you a longer um, muscle anyway, doing these eccentric hamstring exercises. 
So I would prefer if you're gonna if you have ten minutes to do something, choose the Nordic hamstring exercise over stretching. But you can certainly yeah. add in stretching as well. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Well, I mean, my my biggest takeaway I think from today is. I, th- I think I'm all in on Nordics. I mean, it seems like I'm, they, I'm all they, in on Nordic too. Yeah, they it's, give you everything. It's, it's one exercise. You know, it's, it doesn't take very long to do. It sucks. I mean, it's it's one of those exercises that you have a love hate relationship with. Yes. Because you hate get it, like every time I'm like, all right, time to do my Nordics. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want. It. But it's so beneficial. Like there's there's really at this point no reason to not do them. Okay. That's definitely. We definitely gonna have a link on on the on the description so that you can you guys can try it out. There's definitely regression and progression to the Nordic. So if you're not able to do a a, a full one, then there there's regression to that. So we'll make sure you have that resource available to you guys. Yeah, definitely. And Nicole is always available on social media. Why don't you tell us about where we can find you? And you got a course going on. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. Yeah, so first you can reach out to me whenever on um, social media. I'm best at Instagram. So find me there. It's at Dr. Nicole PT. That's DR period N-I-C-O-L-E-P-T. Send me a DM. I answer all of them um, unless they're just ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I answer a DM. So go ahead and DM me there. Follow me there. I'm also on Twitter at Certica Physio. That's and my last name is S U R D Y K A Physio. I'm on Facebook, but I I um I'm not I'm not somewhat don't try to reach out to me on Facebook. I have no idea how Facebook works. And I yeah, I also teach a course called Managing the Uninjured Soccer Player. The two-day course is for other healthcare professionals, rehab professionals, um, performance coaches. But the second day is also open to soccer coaches, soccer players. So you can sign up for that. And all of that information is on my website, which is NicoleCerticaPhysio.com. Okay. Nice, nice. And I definitely recommend Nicole's course. And (laughs) do you think she knows a lot about the hamstring? It's because she does. But she also knows a lot about other injuries too. So definitely check that out. Andy was in my my flagship course in New Jersey a few weeks ago. <laughs> New Jersey, yeah, I saw that. He couldn't even he couldn't even kick a ball. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a walking boot. It's okay. Oh, I'm still on crutches, non weight bearing. Yeah, yeah. But it was a good time. I definitely enjoyed it. So definitely check that out, Nicole. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on thank today. you very much. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, and we will see you guys next week. All right, peace.